Hello there, welcome to this week's episode of the Peter Greenwood Show podcast. My name is Peter Greenwood, I am delighted to have your company. So, before we get into this week's show, I want to tell you a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes here, because the way this show works is I go into the outside world, and I speak to guests, I speak to bands, celebrities, and bring those interviews back and play the results for you on the air. But nobody's going anywhere. There are no tours. There are no bands. So, what I've decided to do for a little while is we're going to go back into the archives and we're going to play some bits you may not have heard from previous interviews I've done since about January 2020. So we're starting this week with the Circus of Horrors. Now I've met the Circus of Horrors a bunch of times. I've interviewed them. They're very lovely people. They're so chatty and nice and welcoming and warm and it's absolutely wonderful. And here's the thing is that I thought I'd already put this episode up. Because I did it in January and I thought I'd already done it, but it turns out I haven't. So, for your listening pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, the cast of The Circus of Horrors. We're starting with Doc Hayes, who created it and talks about the 25th anniversary. Then we're going to talk to Hannibal, who is the sword swallower. And then finally, Courtney, who is the blue-haired girl who swings from the rings and from the ceiling and everything. And it's terrifying and it's awesome. So, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy The Circus of Horrors. Okay, I'm going to start by asking your name and what you do, please. My name is Dr. Hayes. I am the Undead Ringmaster and creator of this Frankenstein monster of a show called The Circus of Horrors. Welcome back onto the show, Doc Hayes. How are you today? Yeah, I'm I'm good. Good to be back here in Glasgow. You enjoying your time here? Yeah, I always love coming to Scotland. 25 years of The Circus of Horrors. How does that feel? Uh, Well, it's gone quick. It's quite amazing, really. I mean, when we started in Glastonbury... 1995 we didn't know how long it would last I mean it was you know would it last 25 days nobody really knew Um, I've always been a firm believer though that if I liked something enough I I didn't think I was that unique that other people wouldn't like it if you know what I mean like when I was a kid I was a massive T-Rex fan and still am but there was millions of T-Rex fans you know I was a massive football fan and still am you know, and but there's millions of football fans. I wasn't that unique. So I just guess that my sort of vision of mixing horror, rock music and comedy um, would work and, uh, and prove to be the case. How did you come up with the idea to put all those elements together and how long did it take you to get to a point where you were happy to do that first it, performance? It took quite a long time. I and mean, basically, I think uh, I was growing up in the 70s. And as I said, I was a massive T-Rex fan. And the 70s was a brilliant time for music. Very underrated in many ways. I think it's probably the best era of music ever. If you think about the bands that came out of the 70s, they were phenomenal. You know, we talked about T-Rex, but David Bowie, Elton John, Rod Stewart, um, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple... Bands Black who, Sabbath. Bands who are now legendary yeah, yeah, today. Absolutely. And Queen, you know. Oh, it, the, of course. It just keeps going free to millions and millions. And then towards the end of the 70s, you had this fantastic rock revolution. And Lowe didn't like it, but Abba was also amongst that lot. Although they ruined the decade, but that's another story. <laughs> but, but, but you know, they, they were amongst that. So out of the 70s, you, you got this amazing amalgamation of music. And if you think of the charts in the early 70s, they were dominated by all the glam bands. As I said, T-Rex, Alice Cooper, Slade, Sweet. But that was rock music. And this rock music was selling more than anything else. And so for me, it was a great time to grow up. Uh, at the same time, I, I was born and bred in the circus, so I, I had sort of sawdust run, running through my veins. And as well as all of that, um, movies started to change. 
all of a sudden the horror movies of Frankenstein and Dracula, as great as they were, the Hammer House stuff and everything, suddenly became The Exorcist and Carrie and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Shining and all these amazing songs, uh, amazing, amazing film, mainly Clockwork Orange, another one. Shining was a bit later, of course, but Clockwork Orange, another one, all coming out of the 70s. So, so films completely changed as well. Horror movies, the genre of horror movies changed. So growing up in that period, I think it's what formed my vision for the Circus of Horrors because I was so into all of that. And the Circus of Horrors is, at the end of the day, a mixture of all of that. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the 70s, specifically the movies, it was the influence of a lot of gore as well. Yeah, and it yeah. was the Wild West for that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, it really changed. And um, there's, there's times of depression in the UK and everything. And out of all of that came this fantastic arts movement, be it rock and roll, be it... Um, movies or, or whatever but there's this great art movement that suddenly was created and um and lives on thankfully a fantastic coergence of as you said of art but also individuality as well like all the bands who you said kind of fit into a category but they're all so unique oh, absolutely. as well absolutely i mean mark boland david bowie look at those i, I wish mark boland was still here well so don't, don't we all yeah but but you know i mean these are icons freddie mercury i mean just think of it you know you just don't get rock and roll stars like this anymore you just, yeah. just wouldn't get it and, it and it's phenomenal the amount of of rock stars that were coming out of that period of time i truly believe believe freddie mercury is if not the greatest one of the greatest rock showmen in music yeah. history unbelievable so his last ever gig did you really so one of mark boland's last ever gigs so well right. between me i must be a bit jinxed i think i must <laughs> ask now what was it like seeing those back what was it like seeing queen live queen were great um the only bad thing it was in a big stadium so you didn't get close up mm -hmm. when I saw T-Rex however it was in a venue similar to this so the 2000 seat to Birmingham Odeon and the dams were supporting and it was the most unbelievable gig in my life I'd never seen anything like it was seated and um Normally at a T-Rex gig, anybody that supports that get booed off, but the dam didn't. The dam were the new kids on the block, and all of a sudden, when the dam came on, loads of people ran to the front, um, and then they didn't sit down again. So they had the gap between the dam and T-Rex, and when the lights went down for T-Rex, I've never seen anything like it. It was it's like a football crowd surging to the front, all climbing on top of each other, and they just couldn't keep him off the stage. They were on the stage all the way through, and Mark Boland was electric that night. He was, uh, he'd lost loads of weight, his guitar playing was brilliant, he sounded great, he had a new band. They were, it really was a life-changing experience. That's astonishing. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to you yeah. talking about it because these are the bands that I grew up listening to, yeah, yeah. and to actually meet somebody who's seen them is pretty unique. Yeah. So let's get into the origins of the Circus of Horrors because you put all these things together. Do you remember the first ever performance? You said it was Glastonbury? Yeah, I do remember it. I remember it well, actually. Yeah, we were, um, we'd rehearsed a couple of times in a big top with, uh, with the Cottle Sisters Circus over in Bristol, which was the tent we were using and the acts we were using. And I took my band up there and I took a couple of girls to do some illusions with me. And we did, we, we put this show together. Then we had one day of rehearsal at Glastonbury. They, they wouldn't let you do it now, but they'd let us have a rehearsal there. So we had a day's rehearsal. And then the next day we did the first show. And um, it, we had some big acts like the Wheel of Death and everything, stuff we can't do on the theatre stage. Um, and it was, it was raw, without a doubt. But, um, but it certainly had a big spark to it. And I think... When you get when you play festivals, you get this um, the audience. Uh, you get a moving audience. Really, they'll come on. Even if you're really famous, they'll come and watch you for a bit, 
and then they'll go on to something else. Like last year, at, at download, I went. Well, Rob Zombie was on, and I watched him from the beginning. He went to the end, but Helmet here left before or Rob was on. Went to have a look at Def Leppard, which Def Leppard's okay. Well, then he came back to Rob Zombie, and th that's what I mean. It's a transient audience; they move and go. So we were in a situation where. Um, the first day in Glastonbury, we, we had an 800-seater tent, 400 people in, about half of them left, which is a bit worrying. Mm. Then the next day, we had 600 in and about 200 left, which was a little less worrying, but still not good. But they were all going to see the band. They weren't going particularly in the light year, but, but nevertheless, it wasn't nice to see. But then the third day, and this is what proved we were onto something, was it was absolutely rammed an hour before we started. And there was masses and masses of people outside. And as soon as the band started playing, they had to get horse, um, police on horseback to disperse the crowd. They were near riots to try and get in the big top because the word had spread from the 200 on the first day, from the 400 on the second day, up to the 800 on the third day. So the word had spread. So I suddenly realized we had something going there. And, um, and you know, we've not looked back, really. That's pretty special as well, because in 95, there wasn't hashtags, there was no social no, media, so this was all word of yeah, mouth. Yeah, it was all word of mouth, yeah. We actually we actually flyers last time. We had little flyers, man. We used to go out into the crowd and give them away. And it was the year um, the Cure were on, and Oasis, I think it was, no, Paul, I think Oasis, yeah, Pulp were on for sure. Um, yeah, stuff like that. It, it was a, a good lineup, not as big as it is now, but it was still a colossal event, and uh, yeah, a great thing to do. Do you remember what acts and stunts you did during that first show? Yep, I remember we had a, a fakir, which was like someone's a helmet, um, but not a great one. He was called, uh, I can't remember his name now, but anyway, he was a, a Moroccan guy and he put pins in himself and things. And he, he, was, he like opened the show and then, um, and then we went in and did various trapeze acts and sword and dagger balancing and the wheel of death and then we cut a guy's leg off and stuff like that so we still did all the gory illusions uh yeah so it was it was, it was, it was cloud swing which we have now again so some of the acts we're doing now we did 25 years ago that's pretty cool that yeah. some of them have remained and i imagine over 25 years you built up some fan favorites like acts the fans demand to see when you come to town well this is what we try and do now we you know it's a bit like a band we talked about going to see your favorite band well you know if i went to see t-rex and i didn't get it on i'd have been a bit disappointed um but so what we try and do is treat it with the same sort of idea as a band would so we try and give them new stuff and we try and also give them a bit of nostalgia and the fans' favourites. So the show tonight includes songs that were we played well before the Circus Royce even started. Stuff like Sin City, which was in the original Circus Royce show, but I wrote it probably in 1992, and, and I played it with my band before the Circus Royce came, and there's quite a few tracks in this show tonight that we that go back 30 years. Well, they precede the Circus Royce, and they were there in that very first Circus Royce show. So if people saw it all those years back in, in Glastonbury, they might remember the songs, so that that's what we're hoping. And then people like Helmut, you know, he's been with us now for about 15 years, and little Danny, similar, about 16 years. So they are the fans' favourites when they come out. When Henry the Hoover pops out of his <laughs> whatever he comes out of, mm -hmm. you know, he gets as big a cheer as any of us. Yeah, I've seen the Henry act. Yeah. It's not something we can, oh, how to describe it for a six o'clock radio audience. It's unique spectacle. It is unique. Yeah, he's, he's a Henry Hoover that is not used for hoovering. Yes. Yeah. Lots of sucking going on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let me ask you a little bit about the music for the show, because you do you write it all yourself? Yeah, I write it originally. I always work with a band. I like to, um, 
I like to write it and then go to the band and then we work on the arrangements together. I think that's always the best way because um, they're better players than I am. So I can come up with a nice melody and I'll come up with guitar lines and stuff like that. And then I will go to the band and then we'll, we'll work the arrangement out between us. When it comes to writing a song for the Circus of Horrors, does, do you have to be in a different mind frame for it than writing just a Yeah, I, I usually song? write songs to, with a visual in mind rather than writing a song just for a song's sake. And very often I'll write a song, we'll do it in the Circus of Horrors, and we'll only do maybe two minutes of it. And I'll very often do it before we even record it. And then maybe a year or two later I'll come back to it and record it and, make, and write the rest of the song. Write a middle eight for it and the other sections of it that make it a complete song. So I start off as a, as a part song and then write the whole thing. And that's one of the songs we do now, Voodoo, that was done exactly like that. We did a little bit of Voodoo, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And then um, I wanted to record it. So then we wrote a middle eight and added a, a third verse and chorus to it. So yeah, I, I tend to write them as a, a visual thing as opposed to just a musical thing. 25 years, you must have a lot of memories, yeah. both good and bad. Can you tell us some of the highlights of the last 25 years for you? Well, I suppose playing all over the world, really. We had a great highlight only a few months ago when we played um, at the London Palladium with the Damned, which was very special because, again, the Damned are the, uh, uh, a nice place in my heart because of the T-Rex connection. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the punk rockers that they are, they're lovely blokes. They're really, Dave Vaney and Captain, all of them, absolutely. You would never meet nicer people. Yeah. Um, and they were big Cirque Suarez fans. So it was a great thing that they'd been to see the Cirque Suarez and bought tickets. And I'd seen the dam many times after the T-Rex escapade. I saw them many times in years, to, years, years after that. So for them to contact me and say, would you be interested in doing a gig with us at the London Palladium was tremendous. And it was announced while we were at Glastonbury and it sold out within five days. That's pretty so cool. So it, uh, it was a very, very special gig. So I love doing that one. Love going to Japan. We just come back from Holland. That was great. I love touring all the world. We got gigs this year lined up in Belgium. We're going back to Belgium. Element doesn't even know this yet. We're going to Belgium. We're going to Croatia. Um, so lots of overseas trips lined up this year. Hopefully Glastonbury again. Download again. Um, be great to do Glastonbury on the 25th anniversary. I think we're quite near down the line of um, announcing that. So yeah, it's all looking quite good. What's it like being on tour with the Circus Paws? What goes on behind the scenes? Well, we, it's a bit of a groundhog day situation. We tend to get up in the morning, drive to the theatre, get there for 12, noon, put all the set up, get it all ready. Usually it's about two hours, but longer today because we haven't done it for a while. And then um, in the afternoon, the guys to the sound and lights and, and stuff like that. Then around five o'clock, we have a meeting. In the meeting, we discuss the previous night's show, or as in this case, the show from six months ago well not six months but two months ago and how we need to rectify it and make it fit in this particular venue so we'll do that and then we go ahead and rehearse as you see the girls rehearsing now we'll do a sound check in a minute then we'll do a few other things and focus all the lights then we do the show then we pull it all down load it in the truck drive for five hours to the hotel go to bed get up again tomorrow groundhog day do it all over again that sounds both amazing and exhausting. It is. Um, I was just saying to the lads out there, because this one is particularly uh, gruesome journey. You know, you, if you come to Scotland, you're always going to have to have a long journey in or out. So basically, we'd, we did it one go. We came up from London yesterday. Truck came from Holland. So that came even further. And we, get, we got here, did 
you know, do the show. We've got a five-hour drive tonight, but then we're in the same hotel for four nights. So although we're doing different theatres, we just commute backwards and forwards to the same hotel. So we're only an hour, an hour and a half away every night. So it's not so bad after, after this one. What is the future of the Circus of Horrors? You mentioned doing the 25th at Glastonbury. Is there anything beyond that? Would you ever make a Circus of Horrors movie? I'd love to. <laughs> I mean, of course, there was one, but not like this, but there was a Circus of Horrors movie in the 60s. But no, I'd love to do that. It'd be, it, I think it would be great. I think it would make a great, a great film. I did a show a, year, a few years ago called Welcome to the Freak Show. We still do the song in this show now. And the show, I, in my opinion, didn't work um, in a theatrical setting as much as the other shows have. Um, we made it too theatrical, but when I did it afterwards, I thought, wow, this would make a great film. It's a, it's a great subject matter, and it would make a great film. And there was stuff we couldn't do live that you could have done on film that were in the story, if you know what I mean. So consequently, it would be you could make some really weird, trippy film out of this Welcome to the Freak Show story. So yeah, I, I do think there's a film in there. If anybody wants to decide who's going to play Dr. Hayes. <laughs> could I be a young Doc Hayes? I don't I, know. I used to have long. I used to have hair down to my waist, Did so I could, I could happily grow that back <laughs> to be a young Doc Hayes. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Doc Hayes has been fantastic speaking to you again. No thank problem. you for your time. Okay, thank you. No problem. This is the Peter Greenwood Show, and we are backstage at the King's Theatre with the Circus of Horrors. And I am standing in front of a gentleman. Could you tell me your name and what you do at the Circus of Hello, Horrors? Hello, um, my name is Hannibal, and I'm the Sword Swallower. Oh, hi, Hannibal. Are you well? Very well, thank you. Now, we had a bit of a chat last time you were on the yes. show. How have you been since then? What's been going Very on good, in the circus? Um, yeah, touring up and down the world, and it's been all good. Now, you're here as part of the 20, uh, 25th anniversary spe- anniversary of the Circus of Oz. And I should say, we are backstage, so you may hear a lot of noise, sound effects going off as the group prepares for their show. How are you enjoying this the start of this tour because it's the start so far it's been absolutely great I mean we've done a few gigs uh, last year before Christmas and uh, yeah I look forward to many more now so tell me about Swallowing Swords Mm -hmm. that's your your act in the circus Mm -hmm. how do you how do you realise this is a thing that you can do well it's something you can train so you don't wake up one morning and you can do it it's something you have to teach your body to do Uh, in my case I started just with a toothbrush you know when you brush your tongue and it makes you gag I've done that on purpose till the gagging went and then moved on to bigger things. How long did it take you to get to where you can swallow the swords? It took me about a year and a half. And is there ever the danger that something could go wrong? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it went wrong twice for me. Um, oh in, really? In good 22 years of doing that. So um, yeah, it's something that shouldn't happen, but it can happen. Can you tell us about what happened when it went wrong? Uh, both times it was an injury to my esophagus. Uh, once it was a puncture and once it tore open. How long does that take to heal? About eight to ten weeks. So no eating for ten weeks. Uh, what? How do, you, how do you eat? For well, they feed you, you nutrition through a nose right. um, when that happens. But I don't hope I have to ever experience that again. Yeah, touch wood, that never happens yeah. again. What do you enjoy most about being in the Circus of Horrors? Uh, I think it's the camaraderie, you know, it's like a lot of us know each other for many, many years. You get to meet very unique and interesting people and just spending time with them is my favorite part of it. What are some of the things that happens backstage between you and the other performers? Is there a lot of camaraderie, a lot of fun and friendship? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's like a big dysfunctional family. <laughs> and everybody here has what is now called alternative 
looks like you have a lot of piercings and things. Is that not required for the Circus of Horrors, but does it help? No, it's n it's not required. I mean, um, it just ties in with the show, but it's not a must-be or a must-have. You know, it's mainly about what people can do, not how they look like. I think that's one of the coolest things. That's what I love most about coming to the Circus of Horrors, because I wish I was brave enough to get piercings, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just not. Well, it's not for everyone. I heard you can live a happy life without. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that. I'll, I'll maybe get one someday. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking forward to about this tour? Well, it's the 25th anniversary tour, and for me it's a little anniversary because it's my 15th tour. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm happy to see what, what, what this tour will bring. 15 years in the Circus of Horrors. Yeah. Can you believe it's gone so fast? No, I can't. I really can't. <laughs> What's been some of the highlights of that time? Well, obviously going to, to places like Japan, where you normally never think you would make it to, that was a big highlight. Um, playing together with the Damned at the London Palladium last year, that was an absolute highlight. That is cool. Yeah, so... It's all going on behind us now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's all <laughs> kicking off now. <laughs> Thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. I am still backstage at the Circus of Horrors, and as you can hear behind me, things are kicking off. It's all getting exciting. Some of the lights are coming on, and I'm standing beside a lady who has just come back down to Earth, quite literally. Could you tell me your name and what you do in the Circus of Horrors? Hi, so my name's Courtney Jones, and I'm an aerialist, and my stage name is one of the Deadly Divas. One of the Deadly Divas. Are you one of the girls on the side of the bus with the other ones with the blonde hair, the twins? No, so there is me and another girl called Rachel Kumber. So she's another part of the Deadly Divas. Right. And so we'll be doing uh, a mix of hula hoops, aerial together, and some dancing. Oh, I, just, I love the hula hoops. I have so much I want to ask you about. I was standing on stage watching you for must be about 20 minutes, if not more. And you were suspended above the, the, the theatre stage, which is a good... How high would you say that is? I don't know heights. How high? I, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> I mean, it took me a couple of minutes to climb the rope to get to it, so that's pretty high. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying, but I don't like heights, but I imagine you do this every day. So do you still get nervous being up there? I mean, I think it's good to still get some nerves because if you don't, then you're not aware of the, the safety. You know, it, it's a very dangerous act and sport, you know, so. Yeah. Let me ask you about being up there, because you came down and you said, oh, it hurts, because you're, you're not chained in or anything. You don't have any, do you have safety straps up there? No, so in my aerial, uh, it's called the cloud swing. I don't have any lunge line. Um, depending on the height, sometimes I will, because of obviously the safety risks. But I'll, so I'll finish the act with a big dive. And uh, I mean, you know, everyone bruises, but I do it for the love. <laughs> it's, is it cool up there? It must be quite cool. Oh, it's amazing. It's exhilarating, especially with the atmosphere of all the audience. They just love it. How long have you been with the Circus of Horrors for? So I've actually only been with the Circus of Horrors for a good couple of months. Right. And how, how did you get involved in it? So I started in a circus school called the Wookie Hill Circus School in the southwest of Somerset. And I trained there for about nine years. And they're also really good friends with Dr. Hayes. I imagine... Doc Hayes met you and instantly gave you a, the nickname. Did you come up with your nickname or did Hayes give it to you? He definitely, he definitely uh, thought of the nickname. <laughs> and what's been the best part about working with the Circus of Horrors? 
actually the fan base. I didn't realise there was such a, a following. And everyone's so amazing on social media, always contacting me, saying I was brilliant or they were, they were looking forward to watching the show. And I just think it's lovely. Everyone's always taking photos and stuff. Yeah, I really, really enjoy it. What's it like backstage during the travel to venues and also while you're at the venues? One word, um, hectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, you, as I said, we're backstage, things are kicking off, bands rehearsing. Do you still get nervous going into shows? Of course. I mean, you can perform to people of 200 and you can go to thousands. So, But I guess you, you always get nervous, don't you, with everything, you know? Yeah. If it wasn't nervous, it wouldn't be fun. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Where can people find out more about you on social media? Uh, so we are on the Circus of Horrors page on Instagram and Facebook. Also, you can find me on Instagram personally as the Blue Head Girl. The Blue Head Girl. Indeed. Thank you very much for your time today. Great. Thanks for coming. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and every single body in between. That is it for today's episode of the podcast. I'll be back soon. Follow me on social media, P-E-T-G-R-E-S-H-O-W, Petgree Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'll see you in the next episode. Until then, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Bye, every single body. Bye.